Today's Coffee Shop Conversation is presented by Papa Murphy's Take and Bake Pizza. Love at 425. I've got someone in the Artichoke Cafe who I've never met before. I like those coffee shop conversations. I get to be nosy with a stranger. Artichoke Music is located at 2007 Southeast Powell Boulevard, and we're very happy to be there. Tate Peterson of the Res Electrics is here. They're an up-and-coming band who has been around for 10 years. I think we'll find out how a 10-year-old band can be up-and-coming and how taking things at their own natural pace can help a band develop. They do an interesting combination of Americana, rock, soul, and their own special sauce. They're playing at the Bunk Bar on Portland on Saturday, February 29th, Sadie Hawkins Day. Meet Tate Peterson. Well, welcome to the Artichoke Cafe. Thank you. I'm glad, glad to be here. Glad you could make it. You're on a road. You're like in the middle of a tour, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, we got home to 2 a.m. on Sunday from California. We wow. drove all the way up from uh, Mariposa, California, where we played <laughs> on, on Saturday night. Uh-huh. And um, tomorrow morning, we're heading up to uh, Bellingham, ah. Washington, and then uh-huh. going to hit uh, Seattle, Olympia, and then Portland on Saturday. Saturday, yes. Yeah. Which is why you're here today. That is true. So Saturday. I could, <laughs> you're a wonderful publicist, <laughs> Alex Steiniger, who I love. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, said, hey, look, you know, I got the rest electrics are going to be in town at the bunk bar. It's the bunk bar, right? It is bunk bar, yeah, yeah, yeah down yeah. on Water. They have a few, yeah. I guess, but the one on Water Avenue, so yeah. the one where yeah. most of the shows are. Yeah, all right, yeah. Good. good. All right, so look, um, most people, I think most people on Earth don't know that a res, the res electric is a guitar. That's true, and... And yet that's where I got the, I got the name from that because I was working at Pioneer Music. Uh-huh. Are you familiar? They were a um, acoustic, mostly acoustic guitar store, uh-huh. um, originally downtown in Portland. And then they moved up in, on uh, 60th and Stark. Uh-huh. And we were, I was working there in um, about 2009 and um, we would sell national resophonic guitars. Uh-huh. And my band, we, we were sort of in our burgeoning state. Uh-huh. And we were looking for a band name. Yeah. And we threw around all these different names that two out of three of us liked, but one <laughs> would hate. Or, yeah, I mean, generally that's how it was, because there was three of us at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we all had to agree. And so I, I, we got this Res Electric guitar in Pioneer Music. Oh, good. All right. So explain what it is. Okay. Well, it's a Resophonic guitar, which, which is... So the resophonic guitar was, was invented right around the same time when the electric guitar was invented. Uh-huh. At least this is what my impression of the situation. Yeah. It was invented, and it's got this almost like a speaker cone inside of it. Whenever uh-huh. you hear old blues men playing, yeah. you know, half the time they're probably playing some kind of national resophonic guitar. Uh-huh. You know, like um, Paul Simon says, the Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. Yeah. It's an all-metal body guitar. Uh-huh. They make wood ones too, but generally the most uh, iconic one is all-metal bodied. Uh-huh. looks like an acoustic guitar with a speaker in the middle, just uh. below where the strings go across the body. Uh-huh. And it creates this sort of, you know, it's much louder, yeah. and much more honky, and sort of has this really mid-range bluesy quality to it. Uh-huh. And so that was, an, that was an acoustic version, and they did that right around the same time when electric guitars were invented. Uh-huh. And so electric guitars became more popular, and all of these resophonic guitars became more affordable. So a lot of the blues players ah. picked up the resophonic oh, guitars yeah. at the time, and that's why it became more associated with blues 
music, you know, like Delta blues and, yeah. and Piedmont blues and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Really good for the finger style sort of thumping and, and uh-huh. you know, playing loud when you when you can't be amplified. Yeah. So <laughs> anyhow, they, they had these electric, I mean, these acoustic ones for a long time. And then um, more recently, they invented the electric version where <laughs> there's a pickup and you can plug into it and turn it up and th- plug it into a guitar amp. And so they called it the Res Electric, the National Res Electric. Ah, so yeah. that's where that that's where that name came from. How can you use it? Well, luckily we haven't gotten a cease and desist yet. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if all the, I, after all these years. Well, I guess I, you won't. Well, yeah, we've been doing we've been doing it for about ten years. I mean, yeah. you know, our our success, our growth has been very slow. Yeah, you know, we we just slowly bubbled outward from Southeast Portland and. <laughs> you know, we started rehearsing in Southeast and playing in Southeast. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, over the course of the last decade, we've, um, we're, we're, you know, we went to California last weekend for the first time. We're going up to uh-huh. Washington, uh-huh. Um, you know, and Idaho and things like that. Uh-huh. It was mostly Oregon based for a yeah. long time. So anyhow, we haven't heard from <laughs> National Guitar Company yet. Yeah. I don't know if they make the Res Electric anymore. So maybe they're... I s- actually saw one online. New? Well, I, I don't know if it was new yeah. or not, I mean, but it was che- like three grand. Yeah, they're not cheap. I mean, new <laughs> new national guitars are not very affordable. Do you have one? No. Oh, no, man. No. <laughs> that would be cool. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe national will give us one. If they, you yeah. know, instead of telling us to cease and desist, they'll say, here, play this guitar. If you're going to use our name, play this guitar. So, yeah, it was just kind of. It was just kind of felt uh, fit. Felt like it fit because uh-huh. we're you know we're electric. We're very much influenced by blues and and classic R and B and soul. Yeah. And and um, but we're an electric band. Are you always a trio? Well, yeah. Um, we were originally a trio, but it was guitar, keys, and drums. Ah. And our original keyboard player would play left hand bass. Huh. And um, you know rhythm on the right, uh-huh. and we would split the signal in two, and set, and one of them we'd boost all the bass and cut all the highs, and uh-huh. one of them we'd do more of the high end stuff. Yeah. So it sounded like we had a bass player. <laughs> so we did that for a couple of years, and then we got a bass player. We recorded our first album, High Water, and so we were a quartet for a little while with bass, keys, guitar, and drums. Uh-huh. Um, and our keyboard player played primarily a Wurlitzer. Really? Keep an electric, you know, two hundred A. Yeah. Because yeah. we were really into that that sound, that vibe. Yeah. And uh, then our keyboard player left to become a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. And wow. he's like he's in Montana. He's a hotshot, like on like oh, forest fires. Wow. You know, going in front lines. Jeez. And um, our bass player left to go to grad school. So then we got a new bass player, and uh-huh. we've been performing as a trio for the last five years since that all went down. Who are the other two guys in the band now? Well, the the other main uh, singer is John Becker, mm-hmm. and he helped found the group with me and the original keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob Dunham is the bass guitar player. Mm-hmm. Bob is also well known as a guitar player in Portland. He does a lot of sort of studio work, journeyman sort of guitar work. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, with like Rob Stroop. I was just gonna say, yeah. Yep. And um, yeah. what's and the, oh, what's um, Moody Little Sister? Moody Little Sister. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, who else? Uh, but he didn't, he didn't go to New Mexico. No, he didn't. He stayed here with us. <laughs> Luckily, we're glad to have him. So, and yeah, John Becker, he sings and plays drums, and uh, we we go back and forth singing lead and harmony together, and mm-hmm. we kind of try to do sort of a Sam and Dave type of you know back and forth. Uh-huh. Not necessarily in every song, but sometimes I'll sing lead and he'll sing the harmony. Uh-huh. And there's a couple of tunes where we'll go back and forth like that. Well, I hope you don't have a re- relationship like Sam and Dave did. Not yet. <laughs> no. I, I interviewed them one time. Oh man, that a long, must long have been time, tense. and they were not talking. Um, 
I, could, I, I couldn't interview both of them at the same time. Oh. I had to do them separately. Wow, really? Because they were not talking to each other. Yeah, and I've heard, I've heard stories, and that's yeah. just another one that I've yes. heard about them, how they could not stand each other. And then there were two Daves. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he broke up with the first Dave, and he broke up with the second Dave. Oh, man. That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Sam Moore. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. That's funny. Well, I interviewed him one time. Yeah, how did that go? It was great. He told me in great detail about how Isaac Hayes ran the sessions. Mm. Ah! <laughs> like was, with an iron fist or what? Was Isaac a pretty uh, laid back guy oh, or no. what? He, Isaac was in, was in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was Black Moses. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, somebody's got to part those seas, you know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and and I, you know, somebody has to take the the wheel at some point. Somebody's yeah. got to say this is what we're doing. So, right. Right. You know, well, who does that in your band? Well, generally I do. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm here today. No, I mean, I would, have, I would have loved to have Bob and John here too. They always have some great insight yeah. and a lot of... But this is one-on-one. Exactly. Yeah. So um, in any case, um, I generally do a lot of the management stuff, uh-huh. um, a lot of the booking. And mm-hmm. uh, I, write, I write a lot on my own, but then I bring a lot to the group and we write together and collaborate. And John writes some music himself. And, uh-huh. You know, generally speaking, as far as creative stuff is concerned... Everybody's very uh, egalitarian about it uh-huh. until it's time to make a decision, and then uh-huh. usually I say, "Okay, this is what we're going to do." Okay, but um, well, you know, I, I why like, not? Somebody's got to be in charge. Yeah, like I said, somebody has to do that, and yeah. I do. And yet, um, you know, I love to make sure that everybody feels like their voice is heard. Uh, you know, as far as creative stuff is concerned, at least. You right. know, when when it comes to management and business, you know, I. There's there's usually a right and wrong way to do something, right. and you kind of just have yeah. to do the right way. So well, you know, being a, a producer and an editor all these years, uh, I think that the people appreciate that you know what you want. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I think it's I think it's valuable to come in like to a recording session, kind of knowing what your vision is going to be, even yeah. if you don't know exactly how you're going to achieve it. Yeah. But uh, you know, it saves time and money, and it you know it makes people feel like. Uh, you know, they have a direction because yeah. if you don't have a direction, it can sometimes feel a little bit mm-hmm. um, stifling or even um, scary to some people, you mm-hmm. know, so. So do you remember where the, where the band's first gig was? Yes, I do. It was, uh, it was in the Matchbox, which uh-huh. is a, it's no longer there, but it's a little, tiny little bar up on Division Street, uh-huh. right across the street from Pock Pock. Well, nothing's on Division Street anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nothing like it used to be. But yeah. but this building that we uh-huh. played in is still there, and it's still a tiny little bar. It probably had like five tables. It could hold maybe 30 people. Wow. And we played on one side of the bar, so we took up about half the space, and then, you know, about 15 people could see us. And uh, so that was, yeah, that was in early 2010 when we played our first gig uh-huh. at the Matchbox. Jeez. And we did um, maybe four or five gigs there before we moved to the White Eagle. We did a lot of gigs at the White Eagle for yeah, a while yeah, to kind of just yeah. get a foothold. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah. That, well, what were you guys playing at, uh, when, you, when you first started? Well, one of, like what music, for example? Yeah. The, I'd say one of the very first songs that we learned as a group was Get Out My Life, Woman. Uh-huh. Um, we learned it from the Lee Dorsey version. Uh-huh. And uh, we were doing the three-part harmonies. You mean the and, Alan Toussaint version? Well, yeah, the Alan Toussaint <laughs> arranged meters yes. backed <laughs> Lee Dorsey song yeah. you know the original version yeah. you know the, Lee Dorsey lived here he did yeah he was a boxer I didn't know that yeah 
<laughs> wow. I mean, so I watched a, a little bit of a documentary on Lee Dorsey, and uh-huh. and it didn't cover much about his Portland time. Yeah. But it yeah. talked about his you know his car repair shop in New Orleans and Pro- known as, or, as 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 the, one of the best car repair people on earth. <laughs> I, if I could have Lee Dorsey work on my Wouldn't car, that'd be great. I, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd that never sell great. the car. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd frame would it. I'd frame the car. Yeah, and put exactly. it, I wouldn't put even it wash it. Really? <laughs> I don't really wash mine anyway. But yeah, you know, we were really into that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, James Booker uh-huh. and Lee Dorsey and Alan uh-huh. Toussaint and uh-huh. Meters uh-huh. and that kind of, that mixed with some, with Northern Soul and Northern uh-huh. Blues, that kind uh-huh. of Chicago stuff. And, yeah. Um, mixed with, you know, modern music as well, you know, because we uh-huh. grew up we you know we're not we weren't old enough to experience that music at the time that it right. was being created mm-hmm. so we were bringing those influences in and mixing them with modern you know like it was at the time when um Sharon Jones was really hitting the peak of oh, her popularity yeah. Yeah, and yeah. even the Black Keys and bands like that were uh-huh. bringing a lot of this old sound back yeah. into popularity and so we were we we hit on that and really wanted to to go back to the original music and build mm-hmm. off of that foundation in the same way that a lot of our favorite bands did. Yeah. 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 Were you doing any original? When did you start doing originals? Well, I've been re- I was writing originals and we brought originals right away to the oh, to the group. Mm-hmm. Um but we first, you know, we got our legs by doing soul covers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um you know, let the good times roll and that kind of those kind of things like right. checking on my baby, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then, yeah, we would we would also go on just sort of like jams. We'd come up with these grooves and kind of jam it for a little while, and then uh-huh. maybe start singing vowel sounds and <laughs> making up, you know, as Keith Richards would say, vowel movements. You know, you kind of just make weird noises and kind of sing a melody, and then eventually you get something. So um, yeah. one of the first songs we ever wrote as a group was called Newspaper. I read uh-huh. in the newspaper, and that's on uh, our first record, High Water, and. Um, you know, it was just kind of this groove that we had, and then we just kept singing. I read it in the newspaper. They said you was dead. Huh. And those are the only words. Wow. You know, it was just kind of this, you know, like a lot of those old sort of um, simple sort of groover tunes where it was just kind of like a line, like a good line, a powerful yeah. line that had yeah. a nice harmony to it. And yeah. so, yeah. I mean, we didn't set about saying, let's, let's do this. Let's make something like that. It was just mm-hmm. kind of, this is what happened, you know? <laughs> and with Ben Morse, our original keyboard player playing, he was, he was especially steeped in, in that Southern, uh-huh. um, I mean, he's from Portland, but he, yeah. but I mean, he might as well have been born in New Orleans or something with uh-huh. just the amount of, uh-huh. of uh, knowledge that he had musically mm-hmm. of, he could just, sit down and just pull out some, you know, Professor Longhair kind of piano style, or, uh-huh. you know, some, you know, he never, he wasn't, he wasn't a virtuoso, you know, but he could, yeah. he could really, you know, get into that <clears throat> style and, and help us kind of move in that direction. And before that, I was writing a lot of just sort of songwriter type stuff, you know, m- m- sort of folky indie songwriter kind of things. Uh-huh. And, getting into uh, just trying to explore my own voice as a writer. And so I had some of those songs that I brought to the table, and generally it was like a, cl- a very collaborative effort to begin with. Where yeah. do, we were doing creating a lot of original music. All of the al- songs on our first record, um, most of them were collaborations or yeah. like seeds of song ideas that we would bring to the group and plant in the group garden and mm-hmm. all of us tend it till mm-hmm. it grew into something. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And so how, how has it evolved? Well, as, as I was m- talking about the the 
the loss of our keyboard player. To, yeah. I mean, when he moved away to go teach, uh, go be a firefighter, and we were we were searching for a voice as a as a trio. So as it evolved, I per, I started getting more uh, leaning more heavily on my guitar playing, and I've always mm-hmm. been you know, guitar has been my forte, and I I've been playing guitar for a long time. And yeah. I, you know, I, I like to sing and I like to write songs too, but mm-hmm. guitar is generally my most uh, expressive instrument at this point. Who's your guitar hero? Oh man, well, um, when I was when I was young, Jimi Hendrix and yeah. Jimmy Page and Car- Carlos Santana really uh-huh. um, was a big influence on me when I was first coming up, and of course, like the you know Kurt Cobain and like the '90s sort of grunge stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a child of the mm-hmm. late '80s and '90s, yeah. so yeah, that stuff really came in to my influence as well. Um, but I'm also the youngest in my whole family by about 14 years. Wow. So everybody in my family was bringing like, were you, you an know, accident? Yeah. Well, <laughs> my mom says the, you know, the best accident she ever had, I guess. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I was getting a lot of old, you know, rock and roll, mostly like sixties and seventies rock and roll. Uh-huh. And, uh, the Beatles were ever present. Crosby, Stills and Nash, um, uh-huh. you know, Neil Young, that kind of stuff. But as far as my earliest guitar heroes, definitely Car- Carlos Santana, uh-huh. Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it branched, it, it flowered from there. I mean, I love George Harrison's style. And, you know, I, I really was like a late, late comer to the Rolling Stones. I didn't really. Really? Yeah. I, you know, when I was much younger, I, I only heard their hits and I didn't realize how, how oh. much deeper <laughs> they went. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I was steeped in, in the Beatles. The, I uh-huh. mean, we were always listening to the Beatles. So, that kind of pop sensibility was very mm-hmm. prevalent. But mm-hmm. um, then, you know, later I've gotten really into people like Gabor Zabo. Oh, yeah. I love his playing. And I know he mm-hmm. was a huge influence on Carlos Santana. Sure. And um, Albert King. I love Albert mm-hmm. King. Mm-hmm. Um, I met him. I, I interviewed him once. Oh, yeah? How did he, how did he go? He, was, he had hands like enormous pillows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Really? He plays like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's, he yeah. just has these these like <laughs> enormous sort of licks that yeah. kind of just yeah. stick with you, you know. And <laughs> so, yeah, I love I, just all that sort of that. But you don't yell at the band like he did, do you? Pardon? You don't yell at the band like he did, do no, you? No, <laughs> no. Not unless I have to. He was known for that. <laughs> oh, no. I got that all out in my 20s, man. I, you know, it's like... I'm trying to calm down, you know. I'm almost 40, so it's like I can't afford to get that kind of stress, stressed out and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, man, just any – it's like I uh, anything that comes into my orbit mm-hmm. that I like and, like, hits a, hits a chord with me, I want to dig it, you know. And so yeah. it's – that's why I love listening to KMHD because, like, uh-huh. every time it's on, there's something new that I'm like, wow. Right. That's cool. I haven't yeah. heard that before. Or who's yeah. that guitar player? Uh-huh. And I start digging and getting into it. Um, so, you know, there was that, there's that blues influence. And then another side is the jazz stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Grant Green. Grant Green oh, is yeah. one of my favorite jazz, quote unquote, And Grant Green players. loved the meters. Exactly. And you can hear it. And yeah. I love the meters. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. like, I grew up listening, learning all the meters riffs. Uh-huh. And then, but also then I discovered, when I discovered Grant Green uh-huh. and that funky, that funky soul jazz that he did, oh, it yeah. was just amazing. And Kenny Burrell, mm-hmm. love his stuff. Um, you know, just, that, that sort of school of, of guitar is, is really. Well, how does that inform cool what you're doing in this band? <clears throat> well, 
this band does improvise quite a bit. That's mm-hmm. a, you know, you asked about the evolution. When we first started out, we were pretty compact. The music was relatively, uh, you know, compo- through composed. You know, we had solo sections. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, um, we stretch out a little bit more. And so I'm able to, I'm able to bring influences like Grant Green mm-hmm. or, or that kind of style into it and feel a little bit more comfortable kind of going off yeah. in that sense. So, yeah, I love his, I, he's got so many great licks. You know, I just, yeah. I love listening to other guitar players and picking up ideas yeah. and, and playing them until they start to feel like my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what I took from Carlos Santana too. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, you just sit and play and play and play these notes that are other people's notes mm-hmm. until eventually they become your notes. Oh. That's a sort of paraphrase of his quote. But yeah. It's like your voice comes out of, mm-hmm. you know, you play, you learn somebody else's voice for a while until it, <clears throat> until it becomes your own. And, and it's not a copying, it's not a copycat thing. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. sort of you have to have a foundation to build on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Grant Green and, and uh, groovy sort of soul jazz mixed with a sort of psychedelic thing that Gabor Zabo brings to it mm-hmm. kind of um, intersect in our improv, improv sections. You know, mm-hmm. there are some songs where we go a little more psychedelic, some songs where we keep it really groovy and, and get kind of bluesy and soulful like that. So I can kind of, I can point to one of those, one of those influences in those sections when mm-hmm. it feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. Um, so obviously you guys trust each other enough to, to improvise. Yes, and that's trust is a really good way to put it, and yeah. I think about that a lot. We, th- you know, we it took us a long time to find the right bass player. It took uh-huh. us a long time to play the gigs that we're playing, uh-huh. and it was all about this slow build of trust. You know, we want to uh-huh. we bring when we bring in extra players, like we're doing this Saturday with Taylor Kingman, who uh-huh. he's going to play with us. He's a guitar player. Uh-huh. It takes a lot of trust. And I think it ta- it's both ways, and we have to trust one another in order to get up. Two there. guitar players? Yes, it's wow. two guitars, bass, and drums this Saturday. Wow! And Taylor's played with us a few times before. He's mm-hmm. he's uh, he's about ten. He's twenty seven. He's ten years younger than me, mm-hmm. and he's up and coming as an and he's an incredible songwriter huh. and a really great guitar player. Mm-hmm. So he's got these two things going, and so he's going to open up and do a, a solo set, and then he's going to sit in with us for the rest of the night. Uh huh. And um, in order to have him, we had to be able to trust him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we trust each other, and we've talked about it. We've had during band practice and on the road, because we are on the road with him all this, these last couple of weeks, we're talking about trust and talking about we trust you implicitly. That's why we have you here. That's why you're with us here, because we wouldn't have asked you to play with us if we didn't trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and um, in moments when we're feeling insecure we have to trust ourselves we have to let go of that yeah and and especially between john and bob and i there's been a lot of trust building of trust over the years and we didn't used Mm -hmm. to improvise as much as we do now yeah because it it took a lot of going out on a limb and knowing that hey i'm out on a limb and these guys are going to help support me and vice versa john may be going out on a limb and he knows that bob and i are going to hold it down so Uh that he can he can do something that's uh-huh. a little bit more outside of his wheelhouse to try yeah, to expand yeah. a little bit. So yeah. trust is, uh-huh. is a very important part of impro- improvising with people. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, you, I like to start with implicit trust, but it's easy to lose that really quickly. So, uh-huh. you, you know, you start with that and then you, you build off that seed and, and keep growing it if, if it works. And uh-huh. with the Res Electrics, it worked. We came together and we built it. 
over the years this this trust huh. so huh. so what's it what how's it been uh how's the road treated you uh, lately <laughs> well as, as you might be able to tell i have a bit of a cold so we <laughs> we started out last wednesday uh driving down to ashland and then we went to california for a few days and uh other than coming back with a cold and and uh, you know a few uh, you know fewer hours of sleep each night it was pretty good we had some surprisingly good shows uh-huh. out on the road for uh-huh. having gone to california for our first time this yeah. last week so yeah. Yeah. san francisco it was a packed house and everybody loved it nice then we went up to the foothills and those you know people we love finding these little towns these little pockets of people uh-huh. like in mariposa outside of yosemite there's all these people who are into music, and it, it was a little room like the size of the Matchbox where we used to play. Wow. But it was completely packed full of people, and they were all huh. loving it and all having a good time. And, uh-huh. you know, just it's, it's that vibe. Like, we play at the Laurel Thirst a lot in Portland. Yeah. And we've grown a really nice community there of uh-huh. people who come and support us. And so, we, you know, being out on the road, it can be scary, and it can be, it can be tiring, uh-huh. and it can be, uh, you know, demoralizing yeah but i think we came back this time feeling pretty good about it Uh because we had some really good Uh nights and met some great people yeah and you know i'm looking forward to this next week i i don't really know what to expect in bellingham and seattle it can be hit or miss you know yeah but um it's interesting i just rewatched the last waltz over the weekend oh it's classic the thing is when looking at them they're not a whole lot older than you are now. That's true. That's really weird. I know. You know, I mean, I realized they didn't want to break up. But only only Robbie, Robbie, Robbie wanted to break only up. Only Robbie, right? Yeah. But, you know, and then I thought, wow, they're, they're really, they're not old. I know, man. <laughs> you know? And I, you know. <laughs> of course, they had, had already had 25 years on the road. I try to take that constantly. with a grain of salt, exactly, because yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot of those folks, yeah, they had far more, quote, unquote, success by the time they were 30 than I have right. had yeah. in the last, you know, but that's okay. You know, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. To, you don't want to compare. It's, it's, it's easy to compare. Yeah. And especially to an era like that, where yeah. there was so many, so much money and people wanting to invest in yeah. music in the yeah. way that, that they don't really Anymore, have right. now. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah that, you know, you mentioned the next waltz. I mean, the band is another huge influence for us. So, yeah. you know, John is a singing drummer, uh, you know, uh-huh. Levon Helm is his number right. one. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he loves yeah. Levon, yeah. and yeah. yeah, I mean that that hit us hard when he when he died. You yeah, know, he was yeah. he was he was like our patron saint almost. You is know? that right? Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah, he just you know he kept it so cool, and you know he, he John has this instructional drum video about about um, Levon Helm. It's Levon teaching his style, and it was made in maybe the eighties or something. Uh-huh. And he talks about John. If he were here, he'd tell the story better, but he. Levon's like trying to show how how he does a drum beat on one of their one of their more popular songs, uh-huh. and he's trying, and he can't do it, and he's like, trying <laughs> keeps trying, and he can't do the beat, and then Levon he's just like, well, I guess I'm not, I guess I can't do that one right now, and then he moves on to something else, <laughs> and it was like this just this moment of zen, yeah, you know, like yeah. oh, I guess yeah. this isn't happening, so if it's not happening, I'm not gonna keep pushing it, yeah. you know. <laughs> And um, it's great that he kept it in the video. <laughs> I know, and he didn't cut it out exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, like warts and all. And that—that's again, that's trust, and that's like being able to go out there and, and yeah. just put yourself out there. And and if you mess up, you know, that's that's all right because yeah. that's we're just trying to trying to just. Do Have you ever seen his daughter? Heart. His no, daughter's out there now. You know, I've heard her. Uh, you know, I've seen 
she showed up in that documentary. Um, uh-huh. I ended it in from in it for my health. Uh-huh. You know that documentary about him. Yeah, I've never going, seen it, but I always wanted to see it. Yeah. It's good. I mean, there are some hard parts to watch because he's not. You know, his health is yeah. is deteriorating. Yeah. But she's uh, she's in it, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's really carrying the torch with the whole. That's what I've heard with the barn and and the and their concert series and stuff like yeah. that. I love yeah. that. You know, yeah. and that's like we're trying to tap into those places. There's there's the the barns the laurel thirsts of uh-huh. the world you know i believe that they exist in these pockets yeah like in mariposa yeah and maybe in bellingham maybe in idaho or uh-huh. washington wherever and we're we're out there you know doing our recon i guess trying to figure out where those <laughs> places are because yeah you know there's still people out there who love good music and they love live music they'd rather be listening to live music and and so we're trying to find those people because uh-huh. being out on the road is not as easy as it used to be. And it wasn't ever easy. Right. But at least there was more money back then. And right. So now you got to be really, you got to do it for the love. Yeah. And hopefully you put the love, enough love in and, and something comes back. Imagine being on a road with Ronnie Hawkins. Oh, man. <laughs> have you read, have you read Levon's? Um, no. Uh, oh, yeah. He has a lot of great <laughs> quotes about Ronnie Hawkins. Yeah. One thing was that he hated using the... He wouldn't let people put it in gear when they park. He would only use the parking brake. He said, don't put it in gear because it ruins the transmission. He would like yell at them for putting it in first gear when they're parking. (laughs) Only the parking brake. You know, that's just a little thing. I mean, there's so many. That's a good good way to get to to have your truck roll away. I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's some really good stories in Levon's autobiography. uh, This wheels on fire about about Ronnie Hawkins. So are you are you guys ready to make another record? Well, we have enough songs. We, yeah. We're ready, musically speaking. Uh-huh. We're ready, uh-huh. and especially you know, uh, uh, Open Seas. The most recent record came out at the end of 2018, so right. it's been over a year and a half now. Yeah, we do have the songs. It's just about having the money and right. the time. Right. Because records, it's like you know the the money you make off of music has gone down, but it's gone up to the cost of making a record. Yeah. And there's fewer yeah. people willing to you know there's no record deals anymore. So right. It's right. all self self-funded yeah. it's all yeah. independent thinking so, about putting out some singles or something, something yes, like that that is something yeah. no we have two songs that are in the can in fact mm-hmm. with open seas we had four songs that we recorded mm-hmm. that didn't make on that make that record so we're, we've remixed two of them so far and we're going to do singles mm-hmm. we're gonna, and it wasn't that they weren't good enough songs it was simply that they didn't fit with the, the story mm-hmm. that the record mm-hmm. was telling mm-hmm. and what what's a style for uh, the new songs? Uh, of the, of your well, new the songs. newest, well, yeah. the two new songs, one of them is called She's All Right, uh-huh. and it's a sort of a rock and roll, uh-huh. sort of stonesy kind of riff, uh-huh. like uh, of the, you know, maybe exile era stones, yeah. like rock and, just rock and roll, you right. know, um, with sort of a Warren Zevon type of uh, delivery, uh-huh. vocal delivery, you uh-huh. know, a lot of, sort uh-huh. of the st- story kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's kind of kind of got that, you know, barrel house rock and roll sound. Do you sing on that? I do. Yeah. And we have Hank Rasco playing piano on it. You uh-huh. know, Hank, he's an organ music hall of famer. Yeah. He was in a band called the Rascos for a long time. And, uh-huh. um, Rob, St- Rob Stroop mixed it for us. Nice. Speaking of Rob. Nice. And, um, the other one is called some other love. And that's sort of a, a six, eight, um, soul sort of, sort of vibe, like R and B yeah. kind of, yeah. With a with like a choppy guitar and uh-huh. so it's like a you know love a love lost kind of uh-huh. thing some other love. It's Are you lo- ready for the public to hear these? Uh, I am. Yeah. I mean, these songs have. The thing about the Res Electric is that everything takes a really long time from start to finish. So these songs, right. I wrote these songs years ago, even wow. before 
when we had our keyboard player. These songs were in, in our repertoire. Yeah. But we just never got around to recording them, and we had other songs that felt more. Well, more, can you send me one on? Let me and let's let's play it at the end of this. I'd be glad to. Yeah, I'll send Good. you the. Good. I'll send you the, the rock and roll one, or whichever one you'd prefer. No, you choose. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna choose. listen to them both and send you. Okay. Because they're. They're not mastered yet either, oh, but I'll send yeah. you, you know, okay. we can put it on there. We can have a little yeah. sneak preview, well, of course. Well, that's good. That's good. And uh, yeah, so these songs, I am definitely, we perform them, yeah. you know, and I'm ready to get them out in recorded uh -huh. form. I'd love uh -huh. to, for people to hear uh -huh. them. So. Well, you just have to be surprised at the end then, yes. everybody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's if like, you hear something in 6-8, you'll know it's the one. And if you hear something that sounds, that, 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 that's, that's more of a rocker, you'd see the other one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And you know, with with releases nowadays, it's it's never clear exactly what's the best strategy. You know, like with a right. new song like this, you know, I could put right. it out right now. We could go upload it and then be on all of the streaming services by tomorrow. Right. But how, you know, how effective is that versus uh, maybe having some lead time and trying to get does it to anybody people? know the answer to that? No. Not me. No. I have nobody, no idea. Nobody does. <laughs> so. Nobody does. So that's why I'm, I'm, you know, I'm eager to just get it out there and try to get people to hear it. Yeah. Mm. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, hey, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Nice yeah. to see you. And, yeah, and have fun up. Have fun back on the road. I will. And I will. get well. Thank you. Thank <laughs> right. you. Well, let's hear that song.